you all know how to tell how a person is level-headed in the in the west the western part of the united states especially in cowboy country the snooze runs out of both sides of your mouth equally he's level-headed all right let me say this <laughs> that wasn't funny for some people but anyway that's the tension getter this week um, we received a call from Montana that my mother-in-law had had a heart attack. She's 97 and uh, was not expected to live and uh, was told that, it was told of her that she would never leave the hospital. Which brings us to one of the uh, lies that we are addressing in the 10 lies that the world believes. And that is that death is a pleasant transition. There are saved people in my wife's family. She comes from a family of nine children and there's saved people in her family, but there's lost people. And uh, at the time of death, uh, people really don't know how to deal with it. Uh, many times, a death is glossed over, has tried to be put in a positive light. And some of the things you might hear, these statements I've put here, he's in a better place. She was such a good person, God wanted her to be with him. That has always been troubling for me. He's at peace now. She's, she's, she is home with her family. He is free from pain now. And all of those are, are tries to be sayings that would, would give comfort to those that are grieving over the loss of a loved one. According to uh, recent polls, 81% of the adult Americans believe in heaven and a fully 80% expect to go there when they die. In contrast, 61% believe in hell, but less than 1% think it's likely that they'll go there. And so, in other words, a slight majority of Americans still believe hell exists, but genuine fear of hell is almost non-existence. Uh, it's interesting, too, that even uh, the atheists and uh, those who do not, uh, who are unchurched and don't believe in God, there's a real fascination with life after death, and uh, that's why books where people say that uh, they died and, and then they came back, it's, it's very, very uh, popular uh, to read those books because even those who have no hope in God still have a, a hope and they want to believe that there's something significant after they die. But we need to hear with clarity what the Bible says of the rich man who was lifted up his eyes and saw Abraham. Luke 16 says, Then he saith, I pray thee therefore, Father, that thou wouldest send him to my father's house, for I have five brethren, that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment. And so, 
this matter of life after death, a better place, no suffering. The Bible says that for some, uh, life after death is suffering, is torment. And it's a big lie that our world wants to believe. They, they don't want to believe the Bible, and so somehow they want to gloss over what the truth is. Uh, go with me to uh, Hebrews chapter 9, and we have some very significant statements in the last two verses of Hebrews chapter 9 concerning uh, death. In Hebrews 9 and verse 27, And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many, and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. There's two uh, significant things that we learn there in verse 27. And, and, and that is that there's an appointment after death, or there's an appointment with death, and there's an arraignment after death. There's an appointment. <clears throat> appointment, of course, is a meeting that's been scheduled or arranged ahead of time. And the writer is saying that there's a, 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 an appointment that's been arranged for you, a meeting. It's not one that we would choose to attend, uh, but we're going to. We have to attend it. It's going to be absolutely required. And that's really, when trying to avoid that, that's why we uh, go to the doctor. That's why many people swallow their pills. That's why people get out on the road and run and torture their bodies. And uh, trying to squeeze one more day out of life, or maybe just to make their life better. But no matter what we do, I'm not saying that we shouldn't take care of our bodies because we ought to, but no matter what we do in a positive or negative way concerning health, uh, we're going to keep our appointment. It's appointed unto man once to die, and after that the judgment. And as we can see here, that that appointment is something that's called death. Many people have the idea that when we die, that's the end of things, that it's over, we go back to the dirt, and that's the cessation of life and all existence. But it's not true, because it says here that after we die, there's going to be a judgment, that something happens after death, that, that we're still conscious, that, that there's still uh, activity, there's still life, there's still a being. And although we'll appear there in a different form, uh, nevertheless, we're going to appear there. We know from the scriptures that when a person dies, that his body returns to the earth, uh, but our spirits live on forever that is a part of each of us that's eternal. There's a part that will continue on after your body dies. 
And so death is really to be considered more as a separation than a finality of the end of things. That, that our bodies are separated from our souls. We're going to be separated one day from those that we love, uh, those that we care for, just as my wife <coughs> went through varying emotions when <coughs> she learned her mother was at the point of death, and although she's doing a lot better today. But nevertheless, it's going to come, and the Bible teaches that. And one of the things we need to uh, note in this passage that tells us about death is that it says it's appointed unto men once to die. That, that there's not anything in the Bible that teaches that we're going to come back in a reincarnated state, that we're going to have a second chance, appointed unto man wants to die, and after that a second chance. No. It's appointed unto man wants to die, and after that the judgment. That there's a going to be an arraignment at the point of death. And it is a popular view that there is a second chance after death and some embrace reincarnation. But there's no uh, biblical support, as you should know, for a second chance. And our text rules that out here. And so, let's consider this appointment. Uh, we don't have it stated here, but we do have it stated in other places in the Bible. Who makes the appointment? Who writes it down? Who, who makes it? Well, God does. God makes an appointment. He has, he has a certain amount of days that he's assigned to us. If you go over to the book of Job, it makes a couple of statements in the book of Job showing that about death and the appointment of death, and that God has his hand in that. And Job, the 14th chapter, in the 5th verse, says, Seeing his days are determined, the number of his months are with thee, thou hast appointed his bounds that he cannot pass. And so he says of God that, that he has determined our days. And, uh, and, uh, the months that we're going to live, and that, that can't be pushed ahead. It can't be, there's a bound to that, that this is, this is it. This is the time that, uh, that your life is over. Uh, if you look over in uh, Job 14 and 14, if a man die, Shall he live again? All the days of my appointment time will I wait till my ch change come. And so Job knew that there was an appointed time that, that uh, uh, he asked the question rhetorically, shall he live again? And Job talks about, I don't know right where the verse is, uh, but how that he's going to live again uh, and that his flesh will be fresher than a newborn baby's. And he looked forward uh, to his Redeemer standing on the earth in the latter days. And so, again, there's an appointment. And uh, we don't go around, <laughs> uh, 
you know, morbidly saying, I wonder if uh, this is my day. I wonder if this is when I'm going to have to meet my appointment. Uh, but we ought to, we ought to live a life saying, I got one day to live for the Lord today, and I'm going to do all I can to, to uh, be a, a blessing and to bring him glory. If you look over in chapter 7 of Job and verse 1. Is there not an appointed time to man upon earth? Are not his days also like the days of a hireling? And so, uh, as you appoint, you know, as you approach my age, it's kind of a there's kind of a turmoil, uh, not necessarily turmoil, but an unsettledness. You know, uh, Paul said, "To live is Christ, but to die is gain." that there's many things about life that you don't want to go to that appointment today uh, because you still want to see some things done. But there's a great, great part about life that we uh, look forward to not messing with this stuff anymore. I don't think you'll have to wear a mask in heaven. <laughs> no COVID shots in heaven. And so... We're talking about death and all the lies that are told about death that people believe. And so there's an appointment and then there's an arraignment. It says there in our text in, in Hebrews, it's appointed unto man once to die. And then after that, the judgment. The judgment. Hebrews 9 and 27, if you lost your place like I did. Now that word judgment there is a very interesting word and it it's, uh, comes from a word in the original language that the Bible was written in. It comes from a word that, from which we get our word crisis from. This word crisis was used, it's used, was used in relationship to doctors and, and health issues, uh, a turning point. It's like, you know, uh, they'll say, well, we'll know in the morning which way it's going to turn, whether it go, it'll go bad or it'll be better. It's, it's, a point of, it's a point of crisis. Crisis, it's a point where we're going to see what happens. Well, when it talks about appointed man wants to die and after that the judgment, it's a moment of crisis when we all face God and give an account for the, for the deeds that we've done or give an account for the rejection of, 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 of our Lord. Uh, there's really, uh, it's important that a man wants to die and after that the judgment. Uh, uh, there's really two aspects or two uh, different situations in that. There's, there's one that's called uh, the judgment seat of Christ. And then there's, there's another one called the great white throne. And we'll, we'll note these, but let me just give you this chart. 
this one, the judgment seat of Christ, is for believers, born-again people. And this is for unbelievers. This takes place after the rapture. But before, before the thousand year reign, this takes place after the thousand year reign. And all this can be ferreted out in uh, Revelation. The purpose for the judgment seat of Christ is to determine rewards. I know that we want to be so holy and say, I just serve the Lord because I love him and I don't want rewards. But nevertheless, the Lord rewards. And we ought to desire to be rewarded. And then this, is, this determines uh, judgment. And it seems to be in the Bible, and we don't have time to ferret this all out, but there seems to be in the Bible uh, some degrees of judgment. Let's go over to Second uh, Corinthians chapter 5 where we have mentioned the judgment seat of Christ. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, And verse 9. Well, verse 8, Paul saying, We're confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and be present with the Lord. And so instead of dreading the appointment, he's looking forward to the appointment. Wherefore we labor, whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him. For we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that everyone may receive the things done in his body, according as he has done, whether it be good or evil. And I think we need to uh, really uh, note some of these uh, words. When it, said, when it says here that we labor, uh, wherefore we labor that whether present or absent, we may be accepted of him, it's not uh, works for salvation. The Bible tells us that we're accepted in the beloved, that in Jesus Christ what makes us accepted. But the idea is, is not the acceptance of, his, of the person, but it's the acceptance of his service. And, and really, it is translated some other places as being well-pleasing, that we may be well-pleasing of the Lord. And then when it says here, uh, whether it be good or bad, uh, for we must all pray for the judge, everyone receive the things done in his body according to what done, whether it be good or bad. The good or bad is not whether it is uh, righteous or evil. It's not a goodness of righteousness and a, and a badness of evil, but it's, it's whether it's worthless and it's, and it's quality, whether it has any value, 
And remember, the Bible talks about it could, that our works could either be gold, silver, and precious stone, or it could be wood, hay, and stubble. And so we're going to, we're, we're, one of these days, you and I that are born again, believers, after we're raptured and the thousand, before the thousand years begin, there's going to be a time where we're going to be uh, rewarded or not rewarded in relationship to our labor for the Lord, whether it was of value or of no value. And, uh, and that's a sobering thing. Why do I do what I do? And what's my motives for doing what I do? Uh, Romans speaks of this. It says, And why dost thou judge thy brother, or why dost thou set it not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Not an account of whether we're good enough to get into heaven, but an account of what we did with our time upon the earth. What we did with what the opportunities that God gave us. That When it talks about redeeming the time, it's really talking about buying up the opportunities that God gives to us. And that, and, and that we will be held accountable. And, and in many ways, uh, that is... Uh, Frightening. In, uh, let me see. Let's look at John chapter 5. I'm not sure what that says. In John chapter 5 and verse 25. You know, one of the, one of the things that I think is so positive about this is that, like, preachers, you know, sometimes those involved in a public way in the ministry, we, uh, we are more on the forefront of people's observation, which actually makes us more accountable. But what this is saying is this, is that God sees and God knows what you're doing. And it may be you think, well, all I can do is just, I'm just praying for Brother George. You know, I get up every day and I make sure that I pray for our missionaries. And, 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 and as you look at, but uh, through the eyes of the world, well, I'm not speaking, you know, I'm not doing dynamic, I'm not doing very much, but God knows what he's given and put on your plate, and he knows what you're doing with it, and he's going to reward accordingly. I'm convinced that there'll be many godly women they're rewarded far greater than I am because uh, God, God is fair and he's righteous and he sees and he knows. And so don't ever think that God is not concerned about your service, whatever he puts on your plate. Um, in John 5 and 25, very, very, I say unto you, the hour is coming, and now is, when the dead shall hear the voice of the Son of God, and they shall hear, and that they that hear shall live. For as the Father hath in himself, so hath he given to the Son to have life in himself, 
and hath given him authority to execute judgment also because he is the Son of Man. Marvel not at this, for the hour is coming in which all they that are in the grave shall hear his voice and shall come forth. They that have done good unto the resurrection of life, and they that have done evil unto the resurrection of damnation. And so there is an arraignment. There is, a, there is an appointed time for those who are saved. But on the other hand, there are those who are lost that are going to face the great white throne judgment. Uh, I, I think I want to go to Revelation chapter 20. Revelation chapter 20 and verse 11. And I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on it, from whose face the earth and the heaven fled away, and there was found no place for them. And I saw the dead, small and great, stand before God, and the books were opened, and another book was opened, which is the book of life, and the dead were judged out of those things which were written in the books according to their works. And the sea gave up the dead which were in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which were in them. Death and hell, what we're seeing here, death would be the place where the bodies go. Hell is a place where the spirit of the lost go. But there's coming a day, actually, when the lost are going to receive another body too. It's going to be a unique body in that it's going to suffer punishment for eternity and never deteriorate. And the sea gave up the dead which in it, and death and hell delivered up the dead which in them, and they were judged every man according to their works, and death and hell were cast in the lake of fire, and this is the second death. Musa was not found written in the book of life, was cast in the lake of fire. Let me just say a couple of things here. To me, verse 11 is shocking. These saints, I mean, these uh, sinners here, they've been held in a place called hell. It's like a, a pretrial facility. It's not the big penitentiary. They're held there, and then they're brought at the end of the thousand-year reign before the judge. And they're going to be sent to the penitentiary. And perhaps when they're brought out of hell to this place, there's some hope. Maybe now things will change. But I want you to see the wording here, exactly what it says. I saw a great white throne, and him that sat on him, from whose face earth and heaven fled away. If they had any hope of coming back to this earth and dwelling here, it's over. Because it says that, that the heaven and the earth fled away. And it's not talking about the occupants, because the occupants are here in this place of judgment. But when they look and they hope, well, maybe now I can get back to the earth. When they look, it's, it's, it's fleeing, fleeing away, it's gone, it's going. it's going. It's going to be wiped out. There's going to be a new heaven and a new earth created. 
And you got to know this. At this very moment in time, all hope is lost. And in the, this morning's message, we'll talk about it, but there's going to be weeping and gnashing of teeth. All hope is lost. And that's what your uh, lost friends and family are facing. But it doesn't have to be. And so, this idea about death being a pleasant transition, that he's going to a better place, no, if they're lost, they're going to the worst place that they've ever experienced. The worst place that they've ever experienced. The, uh, those that are saved, as the songwriter said, the sky shall unfold, preparing his entrance. The stars shall applaud him with thunders of praise. The sweet light in his eyes shall enhance those awaiting, and we shall behold him face to face. Oh, we shall behold him. Yes, we shall behold him face to face in all of his glory. Oh, we shall behold him. Yes, we shall behold him face to face, the Savior and Lord. And that's exactly what Hebrews uh, 928 said so Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto him unto them that look for him he shall appear the second time without sin unto salvation so we uh, will uh, behold him now we're going to finish way early today some of you are needing to take a nap anyway. I can see it in your eyes. Some people don't know when to come home at night. I've heard that. In the... <laughs> All right. Go over to Luke chapter 13. This also very shocking wording Luke 13:24 Strive to enter in at the straight gate for many I say unto you will seek to enter in and shall not be able when once the master of the house is risen up and is shut to the door and begin to stand without to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, Know ye not whence ye are? Then ye shall begin to say, We have eaten and drunk in thy presence, and thou hast taught in our streets. But ye shall say, I tell you, I know you not whence ye are. Depart from me, all ye workers of iniquity. Then shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth, when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and all the prophets in the kingdom of God, 
and yourselves thrust out. Weeping and gnashing of teeth. The weeping is not for godly sorrow over sin. The weeping is not over the sins of others that were dear to you. The weeping is not over lost loved ones who are in the same place. The weeping is not from unjust treatment as others gave you. The weeping is not from wounded pride or some kind of calamity in your life. But the weeping and the gnashing of teeth, they say that when people are really in pain, that they'll grind their teeth trying to make it through the pain. Such pain. But the weeping is because of the never-ending torment and hopelessness, everlasting hopelessness. Death is not a pleasant transition if you're not saved. This world believes a big lie. Go down on the streets of Fairbanks or go over to the North Pole area and talk to people. What do you think is going to happen when you die? Oh, I just think we'll go to a better place. And they really don't want to talk about it because they're unsure. But we can be sure. We know what the Bible says. But it's going to be absolutely horrible. So horrible that for all eternity, people are going to weep. I mean, you, if you lived in that state in this life where, where we're just constantly the hopelessness of our life and the pain in our life, or day by day, moment by moment, where he commits suicide. They can't. And so it expresses, it expresses a great agony. But something else you see here that I've never seen before, in verse 28, they shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth when ye shall see Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob and all the prophets in the kingdom of God. It implies that there's going to be a window, one-way window. I'm convinced that when we're in heaven and we're in a new heaven and new earth and we're dwelling upon this earth for eternity, that we're not going to see into hell. But this implies that there, there's a one-way window where they see what they missed. Can you imagine 
Can you imagine your heart and mind, your soul, your grief? Well, let me just close in saying that there's a lie that's told on the streets of America that's believed in the house, houses and homes of our land, that's promoted in the mortuary, that's referred to in the hospice care, that they're going to go to a better place only if they're saved. And I think that uh, we ought to spring out of our chairs and hasten our steps and go forth knowing that we have the greatest message in all the world and that we can be involved in rescuing the Pharisees and caring for the dying. Jesus is merciful. And Jesus will save. All right, you're dismissed.